This is Bob Rourke of Business Leaders Podcast, and we're extremely fortunate. This morning, again, we have our co-host, Jamie Zaman. She is the founder and president of Titan CEO, and our guest this morning is Nicole Ruth. She is the producing branch manager of the Ruth team at Fairway Mortgage. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for having me. Well, Nicole, if you would, tell us about your business and who you serve. That is a great question because as a lender, I serve people who own homes and want to refinance or buy homes, but that's like one one hundredth of what we do. What my team does and, and what I think differentiates us in the market is the fact that we come alongside our clients to evaluate what is the swiftest way to get them towards independence financially using home equity. So how do they capitalize on appreciation? How do they capitalize on principal reduction? How do they capitalize on rental income? How do they capitalize on what is the biggest asset and the biggest liability for most people? So we solve the problem for how to finance that first purchase, that move up purchase, that investment property that's going to help take care of your family. Well, that makes you slightly different. Slightly. <laughs> no, I love it. With that being said, when you first started on this path, was that your service offering when you first started? No. When I first started, I wanted to originate a loan. <laughs> and then I wanted to originate two. And then if I got to 10, I was like, whoo, this is high. When I first started, I first started, as most lenders do, you know, dropping off candy at real estate offices, trying to connect with a divorce attorney, trying to figure out who the financial planner that I was going to get referrals from. I operated it small. And I just was thinking about how do I get the next deal in my pipeline? Well, it was a couple of years later when I started down this path of creating a team. And I come from corporate America. So I manage large-scale projects. This is back in the day of Anderson Consulting. Today, they're Accenture. And so I knew how to develop teams or strategies or solutions. I had no idea how to track that in mortgage lending. So when I got out of the business, the corporate business, to have three amazing kids who are now young adults, and then got back into a job, which that's really all I thought it was, um, and it just so happened to be in lending, and that's a whole nother story, but I was just trying to originate a loan. And then I started figuring out that I could originate more loans if I had people beside me that believed the same thing. And then I started figuring out, and then I got my first investment property. And that's a whole nother story because I had somebody come alongside me that cared enough to spend the time to teach me about what that meant because I didn't know, even though I was in the business. And so then I just started teaching other people. I had to pay it forward because I was so generously given and I had to give it all away. And then as I'm giving it away, people want some of that. And they're like, I don't know how to build wealth, not real wealth. I mean, you can invest in the stock market and right now that might be going well, but next year it might not be. And so how do you create that stability and that foundation? So it was just that, that incremental change that somehow you don't even see coming until it's starting to build on itself. And then it does. And then you realize that you want to start to build something that you're proud of. You want to start building something that you can leave a legacy, something that you know you're impacting other lives. And that's the cool part. So then I started focusing on building a team. And that's what I have today. I have 15 amazing people that work with me, like me, for me, for the clients. Was there a catalyst that took you from, geez, I just want to be able to do another loan, mm -hmm. to this vision that you started pursuing? 
There was. And the catalyst was a gentle, older man who, an interesting story, I went to an investment back then before meetups, starting to date myself before meetups. And before you really use Facebook for this, you had breakfast clubs. So investment breakfast clubs where you literally went to a hotel and went into one of their conference rooms at one of those where I met this gentleman where I was going to pick up realtors. I was going to build my business to generate another loan. And he was going to find people as clients. And we just happened to bump into each other. And I think he won. I think he won. So I ended up buying a fourplex from him. My first ever investment jumped all the way in. I still own that fourplex. I bought it for 400 in Arvada. It's now worth almost a million dollars. And it was a phenomenal opportunity that I would never, ever have even thought of had he not walked beside me for the months it took me to buy that thing because I wanted to say no. And I did say no a lot of times, but he just taught and he leaned in and, and he helped me through the whole thing. Mm, and it seems like just listening to you, you've been incredibly open to the possibilities and things that present themselves to you in your life. So for those of you that are listening, already captivated by your story, and for those of our audience listening, Nicole is one of the 2020 Titan 100 recognized here in the Colorado metropolitan area. And I'm holding up a copy of the Titan 100 book in which she was recognized. And as like intro to how we get started with these podcasts, I always love to ask all of the Titans that we interview in the series, what characteristics that they believe it takes to be considered a Titan of industry. So I'd love to get your take on it. A Titan can't be afraid to fail, right? A Titan has to need to build. I don't want to build. I don't build because I get paid money to do it. I build because I have to. I have to provide an experience for my team, an experience for my clients. I have to continue to build that next thing and continue to grow the services that we offer to our clients and our referral partners. A Titan doesn't believe in sitting still. A Titan wants to leave the place a better place than they found it. Mm. And spoken like a true Titan. You know, I, for the folks you're going, so there was the before and after, right? Before the lending business, what you did and understand the family transition and then going out back out into the workforce. If you would walk us down the path of what you were doing before you got into the fairway mortgage world. I apologize. So back when I was in corporate America? Yeah, what, you, what, did you do? yeah what did you do in corporate America? And then there was that point where you decided to leave corporate America. Yeah. And then there was that transition when you went to Fairway. So corporate America was, I was in change management. So I was helping people. First, I started in technology. So I was programming. And then I, I went into change management, helping those executive sponsorship level, the workforce level in identifying and capitalizing on the change in technology and how do you implement it from a workforce perspective and efficiencies. So I did that and it took me traveling a lot. It took me working a lot. And eventually I had my first little baby, my second, and we were pregnant with our third and we decided we just couldn't work like that anymore. And so I hung out with the kids for a while until I called up a friend of mine and I said, hey, I need a job. Like, I don't want a career because I don't want to work that much. I just need to get off the floor, have adult interaction. And he happened to be in mortgage lending. And that's when I entered into the broker world. So this is 13 years before Fairway, but I, I landed in 
the mortgage world, if you would, looking for a job, not realizing that wherever I went, there I was. Like I worked that hard. I don't care what my job was. I just did. And so I ended up working all those hours anyway. But for now, it was building something. So I, I started in operations and mortgage lending because that was kind of my vein. Uh, and I did that for eight, nine years. And then I went over to originating in the sales side with the same passion that I had building the business because I love that part too. I started building financial futures for my clients. And the, the transition was a little wonky in the sense that there's a lot of backstory to that one. But once I leaped over, uh, I never looked back. So at that point, it was always just working with the clients. It sounds a lot like the success is really in your DNA. And it's just a matter of where you point yourself in the direction of where you want to go. And you just continue to find a way to be extremely successful in that discipline, which is nice. And I know that many, many women can relate to your experience with the grind, right, so to speak, and then what happens when children enter into the picture and how do you balance both? It's incredibly difficult for many women. And it's so great that you were able to take the time to be with them and grow with them and then say, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to go back and start dominating again, which is essentially what you did, which is awesome. So I have to ask you, if you could go back 20 years plus mm -hmm. of experience that you've had and offer the less experienced version of yourself some kind of advice about building a company or advice to really shape or define experience that you would love to have 20 years ago, what would that be? What would that look like? I'll say two things. First, I'll start on the personal and then the work side. On the personal side, my husband and I had some turbulence in our marriage. We figured out who we were as parents, as working adults, as a married couple. So we've been married now 24, almost 25 years. So we've been married a long time. Thank you. But it wasn't always easy, right? I mean, nothing for 25 years is easy. But it was challenging trying to figure out our roles and who we were. And if I could tell myself back then, I would tell myself to be patient with the growth, right? That we were both going to grow differently and sometimes together and sometimes apart. And that that meant ultimately that we were going to land exactly where we were supposed to be. And we had to give each other a lot of grace and a lot of forgiveness. And regretfully, we went through some turbulent times where we didn't understand that. And now he's my partner. He works with me on my team. He's an incredible asset. He helped raise the kids. He was that primary caregiver when I was working all the time, when I kept landing in front of myself, when I kept figuring out that wherever I went, there I was, and, and I just kept working as hard as I always did. And so I wish I would have learned that lesson a little sooner. We would have had some more happy times than we, we did along the way. And then as a business person, I would say, Allow yourself to fail and promise yourself to give it all away. We give everything away. I don't track dollars, not even a little. My husband does. My husband tracks the P&L and he makes sure that I don't spend more than I make. But ultimately, I don't worry about the money. The money takes care of itself. I continue to give it all away. I'm, I'm a deeply spiritual person and, and we don't necessarily need to go down that path on this podcast. But I believe that, that God has given for me to give away, that he's put me in this position because I have the skills to make a difference. And so if I hold that back, even just a little, 
then he's going to stop giving it to me. And I want to continue to receive. So I have to give it all away faster than that. And so we do that constantly, whether it's my work effort, whether it's my time, my teaching, my guidance, my counsel, my advisory ship with the mortgage lending, or my tithing and my gifts financially. So we give everything away as fast as we can. And I continue to put myself out in front of my skis. We joke about, okay, I think I'm a little further out in front of my skis this time than usual. And that's one of those things where if I just keep putting myself out there, I believe he'll catch me. And I believe it will be for the betterment of many more than just me. And so I have to be willing to fail. Without that, I'll stay very contained and I won't be able to have the success nor provide the success for those around me. Because ultimately, if I can help others build wealth through real estate, to build investments, to build a legacy, to build multi-generational wealth, their success does not threaten mine. We can all get there together. Like they can buy even more investments than I've even dreamed of owning and have even more success than I've had, yet it doesn't infringe or limit mine. So it just continues to push me to give it all away. Hmm. Profound thoughts. I mean, just your, gosh, it's just the way that your mindset works. It's the way that your thought process is. It's unique. I haven't come across many interviews in my experience, and I've been interviewing CEOs for maybe a decade and a half now at this point, just your take on things. And I love it. I absolutely love everything that you've said. It's incredibly inspirational, which makes you incredibly unique and rare, Nicole. Thank you. So with that being said, I think of the day-to-day. So in the day-to-day, just operations, folks are going to go that we're fascinated by your rituals and day-to-day routine. You know, because a lot of times this is, well, you should work hard and we all sort of got to get that. But what are the rituals or habits or self-talk that keeps you going daily? So I am really big on setting up my day and ending my day, right? So the caps. So how I start my day, how I end my day, how I start my week, how I end my week, how I start my year, how I end my year is all become extremely pre-programmed, right? Destined. So I start each day at 3.30 in the morning, awful early time, and it's very dark. But I started that a long time ago. I didn't, I was in college and I was always setting my class schedule for 8 a.m. And I'd go to the gym at 5 or 5.30 when they first opened up. And then I'd get home and I'd get ready and I'd get to the classes and then I'd be done. So I have my afternoon free. And that's just how my brain was always wired to do it that way. And I was, of course, <laughs> of course I didn't go to all the parties in college because I was asleep um, or falling asleep at the parties which that has happened a couple times. So that was not my lifestyle. But fast forward, when I had kids, that was my time where they weren't awake yet and and the house was quiet and I could think and I could do and I could get a bunch done and and preset my day. And now the kids are grown and they don't wake up even if I didn't wake up early. I like getting up at 3.30. I like having my rituals. So I get up at 3.30. I start out with reading the Bible, prayer, gratitude, kind of ironing out my day, scheduling it. So I have my, my dot matrix planner that's empty and I, I schedule my own day every day. And I think about what it is I need to do that day in the next couple of days in advance. And then I get on my email and a lot of people say, well, don't get on your email that early. I get on my email because I have a great team and I push everything out that needs to be done. So I delegate at that time. So they get a blur of emails from me at 4.30 in the morning. And then I'm at the gym at five, still to this day, every day I have to work out. 
it energizes me and allows me to do the things that I want to do. And, I, and then I get home and I get the rest of the team up or make the green smoothies and, and do the rituals. And then at the end of the day, I'm winding that down, right? So I'm, I typically work until seven. It's not uncommon to see me work until eight, shutting that down no later than eight so that I can be in bed no later than nine. I think of that particular path of success, and there's so much work that's done on ritual observation, you know, the Miracle Morning, you mentioned a couple of others before the show, you know, and for the folks that are listening, you go, you know, getting up at 3.30 sounds challenging. I'm up before I'm ex-military. I was always up early. I was a pre-med kid, so all my classes were early, just like you, you know, kind of thing. And you kind of go, well, some folks develop the button, some folks have the button. And for you, did you always have the button or did your folks give you the early morning button? No, no, my, my folks didn't. I was raised by a single mom. And so we, it was an interesting, I love my mom. She gave us absolutely everything that she had. We just didn't have for much. And she was in sales. So, you know, we'd get a lot. We'd go to Disneyland. We'd get a little. We'd get food stamps. So it was across the board growing up. But she did have a deep passion for success. Her big thing was, I want to give you a better life than I had. Uh, And that's a whole nother story. But she was always putting the next thing in front of her. Always, how do I give you more? How do I give my grandchildren more? And it wasn't about money as much as it was about strength and the fortitude to be successful in whatever success is defined by you. But waking up early was not her thing. (laughs) You are so driven, Nicole. It's really incredible and it's inspiring. Your routines that you stick to and it just, I believe in the whole adage that success breeds success. And so what you do is really successful and it it self-perpetuates that success as I continue to see. So I have to ask you about advice that you would offer to, you know, a respective entrepreneur or a new CEO assuming the role for the first time. What advice would you offer them? I would tell that CEO that they had to go first. So a lot of bosses that I had would have cut out of work early, taken Fridays off, gone on a month-long vacation, disappeared knowing that they had a strong team. And it's their right to do that, especially after they've built something up that self-sustains. I operate a little bit differently. I probably work more than anybody on my team. And my whole thing is I have to be willing to go first. I have to be willing to show them the path, to make the mistakes, to honor those mistakes, and to be vulnerable in that. Because if I don't show them that I went in front of them and sometimes I made a really good decision and sometimes I made a really bad decision and own that, then it doesn't allow them the opportunity to fail or to exceed or to push beyond their current limits. They'll think inside the box and I need them to think outside the box. That's part of what makes this team so good is because we can solve mortgage and financial questions or situations that other lenders can't, not because they're not able, it's simply because they don't try. And so my team is constantly pushed and allowed to fail And you have to model that. You can't expect them to feel safe to do that if you haven't done it already. Mm, I love it. It's leading from the front, which Mm -hmm. is what you've described. Jamie, we're on the same mindset. I'm thinking in ex-military, and I'm thinking, you know, the best led from the front. And, you know, you can't teach marksmanship unless you know how to shoot. I mean, there's a lot of parallels, you know, in the leadership space. So all good stuff. Before I forget, how do people find you on social media? 
So we are the Ruth team, and the Ruth has an E in it, so R-U-E-T-H. Uh, you can go to theruthteam.com. We're on Facebook, the Ruth team, LinkedIn, Instagram, all the lovely places. <laughs> Perfect. So they know where to find you. So, you know, with that yes. being said, fertilizing the mind early in the morning and parts of the day, what's most recent book or publication that you've read that's influenced your thinking? I'll give you three. One I just finished this morning, but I'll give you the other two first because you brought up one, and that's The Miracle Morning, which I absolutely loved. I loved how he divided his morning and his evening up. Now, he did it in 10-minute increments. I can't get anything done in 10 minutes, but I love the idea of it. The next book that I read after that was A 12-Week Year, and the 12-week year is all about taking those year-long goals and condensing them into quarterly goals. Absolutely game-changer game changer. And when you stop thinking annually and you start thinking quarterly. And then the one that I just finished this morning is the five dysfunctions of a team. And that one struck home because even, I mean, I'm, I am far from perfect and my team is far from perfect. And I have ideals and visions and goals and, and we stretch ourselves, but we're still dysfunctional. And so reading that really did help kind of highlight some things that I want to work on in 2021. You know, there was a book years ago, Jamie, called I'm Okay, You're Okay. See, there's a new one. I'm dysfunctional and you're, you're dysfunctional. You don't know. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jamie. I'm sorry. It speaks volumes just more to Nicole's mindset. I mean, she is, like many other titans that we talk to, a lifelong learner. And the fact that she continues to strive to learn, to read, to absorb, it speaks volumes. Like I said, it's another one of those reasons why entrepreneurs or CEOs do so well is that they seek to continuously learn. And so I love the books and I, I'm going to read The Miracle Morning myself because I could definitely use some help in that area. I listen to you and just your drive and passion, which you know I love. It's one of the reasons why she is a Titan 100. And so for those of you that are really intrigued by Nicole's story and Nicole's mindset, you can go to our website, www.titan100, and you can click on the page that will list all of the 2020 Titan 100. You can find Nicole and read more about her and her inspiration. So I wanted to make sure our audience knew that. But it's been really great interviewing Nicole. And I just, I've taken so much from you. So thank you for being an inspiration to our audience. Of course, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Nicole, the thing I, you know, in, in closing, you know, I appreciate your leadership style. You know, I can't ask them to do it if I haven't done it. I like that personally. The fact that you're still pushing and reading and going, I'm, I'm tuning and tweaking and observing and, you know, the quarterly lookbacks and all of the things to remind yourself and get your mindset squared away. Admirable. And, and for the folks that are listening, I mean, if you're trying to figure out how you accomplish the goals, break it down, break it down. So in any case, thank you so much for being on this episode. We appreciate your time and that smiling face <laughs> the whole time. That's a It's a heart. Yes. It's kind of supreme on my face. <laughs> it's a good life. It's a learned okay. skill. It's a learned skill. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. Thank you.